This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. tonight. You want to know where this part? Are we on? With our Kalalashim. We're on Kalalashim with the new speaker, the new mic. No. What? So it's just straight up? Lower tech today, okay, straight up. And then we'll see if we can get to some emails I got this week, which are very disturbing. Disturbing emails. This is the late show. This is, no, you know, it used to be the late show and then the late, late show. Remember the late, late, late show? This is the late, late, late show. All right, we'll see if we can get to this. All right, so this carefully. This is the Kabayosha. Talks about um, the three weeks, the nine days. It talks about Tisha B'av. So what I'm going to be talking about this this year at Tisha B'av, very fascinating. It's from Shimshim Pinkus, of course. Uh, part of it, anyway. Um, some of it. Um, he asked a question. Create. We call Tisha B'av Mayed. We call it a Yantif, right? And we we say it's a Yantif because Mashiach is born on that day and. It's going to be a yantif when Mashiach comes. Tishma is going to be a yantif. Well, the Maisa, right? So you, so you don't say tachanun. We don't say slichus. We don't say avinu malkenu, right? Because it's a yantif. So the question is, if you don't say avinu malkenu, you don't say tachanun, you don't say slichus. And what is the what is the yantif of Tishma? Okay, when Mashiach comes, I understand it'll be a yantif. But right now. What is the yantif when you're sitting, right? And not only that, at the worst time of the destruction of the Beit HaMikdash, which was midday, Chatzoyz, we get up. We get up and sit on the chair, with the Pareiches we put back on the, on the Arna Kodesh, everyone feels a little bit like, shh, right? You're not as sad, you're sitting on a chair, Pareiches is up. I would think that at the moment when the Beit HaMikdash was burning the worst, which was Chatzoyz, at, uh, of day, of the ninth day, should be the worst time, and that's the time that you get up. What's going on over here? So I'm just going to give you a little snippet of what I'm going to be talking about on Shabbat. The answer is that because of Tishabov and the base of Megish being destroyed, so what do we do on Tishabov? We remember the destruction. But when you remember the destruction and you talk about your loss, you talk about the beauty of what we had. The Mayed, the holiday, in the worst part of Tisha B'av, is the remembrance of what you lost. What do I mean? First it goes to be Menachem Mobile. Someone died. It's terrible. It's tragedy. What happens at, at the house of Avelis? Everybody comes and says, Oh, your father, he saved my life. He lent, my, he lent money. This guy, right? All the stories. And, and people have tape recorders today. They tape all the stories that the people say and then they write a book, right? So in the worst time, the guy's sitting shivering, he just lost his father. Everybody's telling him stories about what his father was. So in the worst time, he's hearing the best part of who his father was. <coughs> the day before his father died, nobody told him anything good about his father. So because of the tragedy, it's so deep, it's so amazing. Because of the tragedy, he ends up hearing all this amazing stuff about his father. He's celebrating actually at the Shiva, he's celebrating what? What are he celebrating, guys? His father's death or his father's life? 
He's celebrating his father's life. They're all talking about what his father did when he was alive. Had his father not died, nobody would be celebrating his father's life. So had the base of Midrash not been destroyed, at the worst part of the destruction of the base of Midrash, we're remembering the Kayan, Karbanites, Hashem was right there by you, the beauty. But if we didn't have a Tisha B'Av, like this week we're not thinking about it. Two weeks ago we weren't thinking about it. In the middle of Adar, we're not thinking about it. When are we thinking about it? We're sitting on the floor and we're crying about what we lost. We're focusing on what we lost and the beauty of what we lost. So because that's the Mayid. Wow. That's why it's a Yantif. Because you're celebrating at the same time that you're, that you're sitting and you're, and you're, and you're sitting on the floor. You, at the same time you're celebrating what, what was. So just like the Shiva is a celebration of life, the destruction of the Beis Hamidish is a celebration of what the Beis Hamidish was. That's just a synopsis. But it's amazing. And because the Beis Hamidish was destroyed, at the time of the Beis Hamidish, only me and guys like me could go into the Beis Hamidish because we're Kahanim. Right? And we had a certain relationship with Hashem that the people who couldn't get into the Beis Hamidish, right? Kohen Gadol saw the Shekhinah when he went into the Kodesh Kedoshim. But even the Kohanim were in the Kodesh. We're in the Holy of Holies. We had a certain relationship. You guys were all stuck outside. You couldn't come in. Azar is Chayv Misa. He comes into the, into the Kodesh. You have to kill him. But a Kohen was allowed in. So sort of, we'll talk about this on Tisha B'Av, I hope in the Beis Hamidish, sort of, now, we're actually closer to Hashem than we had the base of Migdash. Because after he destroyed the base of Migdash, now, everybody comes to Shul. Not just the Kayin. All you guys can come to Shul too. The Bima is the Shulchan. The Aaron is Aaron HaKadosh. The Benayra in front is the Benayra. A Shul today, the base Medrash, the base Knesset, became the base of Migdash. I can't tell you not to come. I'm a Kayin. and you can't come. You're a czar. Everybody can come. So now, Klai Yisrael can get closer to Hashem than they could by the base of Mikdash. I'm in all of you. Until then, I was in the base of Mikdash. You came to me. Now, after the destruction of the base of Mikdash, Hashem came to us. That's also a reason to celebrate. So really, the destruction of the base of Mikdash ended up bringing Hashem closer to us not further the way we think it is alright I flip your brains around a little bit anyway you can think about it from Tisha I got a lot more to say on the subject but that's a little bit of the subject if you want to hear it you can hear me speak at night which is going to be a very very heavy speech I'm actually reading a letter no I'm actually reading four letters from a girl who's stuck out in Utah in a in a rehab or by herself with a bunch of Mormons and she writes from the depths of all her pain what she's going through and I'm actually going to read it in public um, it's going to be a pretty heavy share so that's going to go on um, at night on Tisha B'Av night Matzah Shabbos I believe at 10 o'clock and it'll be on TorahAnytime.com so if you want to see it you have to go into no I'm sorry it's going to be on Ornava.com not on TorahAnytime.com if you want to see it, you got to go O-H-R-N-A-A-V-A dot com. Cost you 10 bucks. And you can see me and the whole day, the next day, myself, Rabbi Lamb, 
Um, Charlie Harari. Um, what's the Rav in Muncie? Is Shabbos.com? Yeah. Rabbi Klatsko. Uh, Rabbi Ben Susan. Right? That's a whole day. Straight all the way up. All the way till the end of the... And then you have, in between that, you have the Chavetz Chaim videos. Which they I have the honor of speaking on this number, on B this year. Okay, so, um, it's girl, it's an Arnava. You know what I spoke for tonight before I came here? I spoke for the Chavar Kadisha of Flatbush. All the guys in Flatbush who take care of the dead bodies. I'm a Kayan, it's unusual that the Kayan and the Chavar Kadisha. You know, so if Hashem wrote a Zera that that on your Rosh Hashanah, then I had to deal with the Chavar Kadisha, which is the best way to deal with them. I gave him a speech. So, um, what I speak about, what do you speak about the Chavar Kadisha? So, I explained to them that it's a really, little, little fascinating that the 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 way God created the way God created the world, there are four divisions. There's the Daimim, which is a rock, the tzameach, which is a plant, there's a, a chai, which is an animal, and there's a medaber, which is a human being. So what's the difference between a human being and an animal? Dibur, that's it. We're called a medaber, an animal's called a chai. The difference between us and an animal is dibur. So if you are on your cell phone all day long, and you're texting, and you're Facebooking, and you're all that other stuff that we do, right? What's up? What's up? What's up? What's up? So then we take away the medaber because we're not medaber anymore. So once we take away the medaber that we don't talk to each other anymore, we become the chai, and that's why the whole world is where it is today, where there's no respect for anything because animals don't have, you know, you can do whatever you want. Animals do whatever they want. They don't have no yitzhar and yitzhatayv. So once we take the medaber away, we become a chai. So I was saying that the the, um, the greatest. That's what I was telling the Chavar Kadisha tonight. That the greatest tragedy, right? Why do we Why do we um, rip our clothing and sit shiva? Really, we should throw a party because if we really believe what we say when we go to shiva and we tell the person, it's okay. He's in a better place. He's in Gan Eden. He's by the Kisei Kavod. We're stuck in this sewer called this world. But the person who died, he's in a better place. If you really believe that. So the guy should get up and start dancing. Why is he saying shiva? He's in a better place. Why is he saying shiva? If your parents are caught in a snowstorm in New York and you get them on the last flight, jet blue to Florida, and it's 75 degrees and sunny, you're going to sit and rip your clothing? Did you get them out of a snowstorm? To... So if we're getting them out, of, if the person's leaving this, this toilet over here that we live in, right, and he ends up in, in Gan Eden, why, why are you saying shiva? We should be happy. We should make a party. What? What what the what's good for that person is makes me happy. My father got to Florida. Why? I miss my father, but he's in Florida. But now he's in a good place. He did his job, right? He died, and he went. And so the answer is the greatest tragedy of all is the end of potential. The mission in Pirkei says. That one moment of relaxation, one second of relaxation of kairat ruach in Elam Haba is greater than all 
the beauties and pleasures of this world. One second. And the next world of quiet is worth more than anything we have in this world. So, this is great. The guy went up there, right? The second part of the mission says, but one second of learning Torah or doing tshuva in this world is greater than all and everything in the next world. So, when a person dies and his potential is over, what happens to him? He goes from the highest level of a medaber, a human being that speaks, and what does he become when he dies? He doesn't become a chai, doesn't become a tzameach, becomes a daimam, which is the lowest. He goes from the highest in one second, from a medaber to a daimam. And a daimam has no potential. And therefore, the tragedy is that his potential is over. And I was telling them at the Chabra Kadisha that you guys who deal and you see a human being when they're not here anymore, they're dead, and you see them as a daimam, they're a body, right? They're a daimam, and you walk out of that room, and you have your five senses. By the way, this is very, very, I spent a lot of time, I spoke yesterday also in the mountains. Um, this is very new. I just started learning about this. So, so Hashem created us. What's the difference between a dead person and a live person? Hashem created us with five senses. We have five senses. We can feel, we can taste, we can smell, we can hear, and we can see. When a person dies, he loses those five senses. The, the physicality of the world, when you want to talk about the goof, you want to talk about gashmius, gashmius is the five senses. When a person dies, he becomes ruchnius. Why? Because he can't touch, he can't feel, he can't smell. I was reading this terrible story. Um, it was a sad story. It wasn't a terrible story. It was about this woman who lost her kid. And um, she was talking to her friends when they came to visit her. She, had, she lost, a, I think, a five-year-old daughter to cancer. And she was saying that I loved to smell. I loved, when she came out of a bath, I loved to smell her hair. She told her friends, even when she would come from Outside and she was sweating. I would love just to sm- just to. S- I knew my daughter's set my daughter's smell. So when she walked down the hall, I heard her footsteps. I knew I knew her footsteps. I recognized the footsteps. I saw her beauty. And she went through all her five senses like pretty crazy. And we used to listen to her laugh. And we used to eat ice cream together. And we used to taste things together. And it was very sad. I was reading. I was crying. How she lo- how she lost her child. But the the, the way she breaks down her child is the five of the connection of her to a child through her physicality through her not the love part more than that through the five senses that she had and I was telling these women yesterday I was like like when was the last time you smelled your little kids hair when was the last time you gave them a hug you felt them when was the last time you spoke to them you listened to them we're busy with this piece of garbage this piece of metal that has no senses the 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 um Topic of my speech yesterday was the, the smart the smartphone has now become part of our family. So when I came out, I said, "Ladies, I really have to apologize because if this is the smartphone, then this is a very learning disabled phone. <laughs> not very. It's not very smart. My phone. It's pretty silly. It it has to flip to go on. But um, on a serious note, so I was like, 
So it's going to this Chavar Kaddisha guy's turn. I'm like, wow. So when you walk out of that room, so the body you just made holy, and the body is very holy. By the way, listen to this. So you, they're not supposed to speak in the room. My father, when he passed away, so the square, square did his, um, I don't know why it was square, but whatever, square did his, uh, his tahara. And one of the Hasidim, they didn't know my father at all. And he came out and he said, I don't know who your father was, but he must have been very holy. And he probably was very careful not to talk by davening. Wow. Like, he's dead. Like, like, how do you know that? Like, how do you know that? So they said that you're not supposed to, when you do a tahara on a person, so they put on eight begadim. There's eight pieces of, we don't know that. They put on eight pieces of clothing because they want, when the, when the, when the neshama goes in front of Hashem, that it's wearing like eight big day kahuna. Levana. When the client went into the base of Mishnah, the Kaddish Kaddash, when you came, he wore four white. Eight, eight regular, but four white. So they put on, so it's a whole thing on, you know, the, the, the neshama should go like, anyway. So, you're not supposed to talk. Definitely Dvaram Batalim in front of the, the mace. But sometimes they have to say, move his foot, move his hand, give me the whole, whatever they have to do, right? He said, for some reason, when they did the Tahara on my father, nobody had to talk to each other. They all knew without anyone telling anyone what to do. He said, it's very unusual. He said, from when you put your father's body into the room till we took him out, nobody said a word, even... Litzayrich, but you know, you ought to talk Litzayrich the mace. He said, he has to be very careful about talking about, and I said, if there was no one in the world that I knew that was more machmir about talking about Davening than my father, there was no way that he would let anyone talk or, or any, or, or let us talk or I sat next to him. He was very, very machmir. So, so yeah, the way you are in this world, you know, is the way you're in the other world. And I, and I was telling them, I was like, so, so you see the loss of this potential. Like when you walk out and you feel the wind on your face, even feeling, that's only touch, the sense of feeling, being able to walk outside and feel that it's hot or it's cold or a, a breeze or a wind on your face. When you're dead, there is no wind on your face. There is no breeze. You know, when a person is in, in a coma, there is no wind. They can't feel anything. So we have to celebrate that. We have to, we have to thank Hashem for all of our five senses. And, 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 you know, when's the last time you smelled the rose? Right, we went so busy. Even the people who jog outside and ride bikes, they have their earphones on. So like, they don't, they don't like enjoy the outdoors. They're, they're listening to something, whether it's a sheer or music or, or a phone, right? It created an amazing world. And the Satan created a world but he didn't have the power of the senses. Phone doesn't touch, even though they call it an eye touch. But it doesn't touch, and it, it can't smell, and it doesn't see. It's dead. It's a it's a metal. It's a piece of metal. It doesn't. It's a daimem. This is a daimem. This is not a tameach. It's not a flower. It's not a chai. It's not alive, and it's not a medaber. It doesn't have a brain, right? So, he created this world, and we're leaving this world that Hashem created with these five things, and we're going into this world, and we get lost in that world. And so when I spoke yesterday, I said, I'm not even coming from a from, from high part of the world. You're going from a medaber to a chai to a daimane. And, and, and you lost, we're losing everything that we're, that, we're, that we're all about. So pretty much the world, physically, 
and this is my own idea, but, you know, I buy flowers for Shabbos. I remember when my father bought flowers for Shabbos, the reason he bought two different kinds of flowers, he would buy roses and he would buy another kind of flower because roses have a, have a special bracha. It's because the stem of the rose is hard. The stem is hard. So it's atse, it's like wood. So it's a bayre atse besamen. All other flowers are bayre ispe besamen. Because they're, they're soft, they have a very soft stem. My father Shabbos, it's very hard to make a hundred brachas. So my father Shabbos would bring home a rose and another flower that had a, that had, that had a good smell. The rose had an amazing smell. You go buy a dozen roses, see if you can find a dozen roses that smell. You won't find it. Roses do not smell. You don't believe me? You go out tomorrow, you buy a rose, right? They have a spray that you can, you can buy to spray on the rose called rose smell. But it actually, that's, that's where we are today. But the actual rose has no smell. Why? Because the smell is what, uh, smell, if you're not going to use your nose to smell, you're going to be busy with this thing, and you're not using that sense anyway, so why make roses that smell? Why do they have to smell? Bite into a peach. When I was a kid, you bought into a peach, your whole shirt was full of peach. Today, they're corks. You bite into a peach, it tastes like a piece of cork. Right? Everything, nothing has a taste, nothing has a smell, right? Because we don't need it, we don't use it. So, we don't, we don't use it, a Kurdish Baruch doesn't do it. It's a very, it's a very, very big, a very, very important lesson. And, 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 you know, we have, everyone in this room, Baruch Hashem is alive, at least most of you look that way. Um, we're gonna walk out of here tonight, we're gonna, we're gonna feel the wind, we're gonna be able to see, and hear, and taste. You should be dancing down the street, it's amazing, it's a, it's amazing. And you have children, give them a hug, give them a kiss. Don't just be on your phone all the time, because then you're just a bunch of chayas. Really, that's what Chayis. If you're not a Madaba, if you can't talk to your wife and you can't talk to your kids and you can't talk to your parents, then you're a Chaya. Because what makes us a human is, is being a Madaba. Okay, anyway, that's what I spoke about. And I, you know, I told them, you know, buy this phone. There's not many left, but on this phone you can't get, you know, all that other WhatsApp and all that other garbage and had a very terrible, terrible Situation that happened that I'm going to talk about not today, but Tisha B'Av night. iPhone's a very dangerous weapon. iPhone is a very dangerous weapon. It should not be in the hands of any child. For sure, not under 18 years old. That's for sure. At 18, I'm not saying you should get him an iPhone, but you know, a car is a weapon, and they don't let 16 year olds drive cars. They wait till they're 18. Does is an 18 a bardas? No one's a bardas. There are people who are 35 and 40. Who are falling and doing terrible things, you know, on these phones. But if you have a screen like mine, this big, you're not watching movies because you can't see anything on this. Someone sends me a picture. I'm trying to figure out if it's from the moon or Mexico or where it's coming from because because it's not big enough. But when you have a thing like this, then you can go sit there and watch all the pornography and all the other garbage. So this automatically protects you from that because you can't watch anything on this. Nothing. It's a teeny little nothing screen. I mean, unless you, you have a magnifying glass this big, but whatever. Then, then you stop a behemoth. So, you gotta protect yourself. You gotta protect yourself. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna, I just, I read you fast one, one email, just, um, this is a good email. The other, other email is not so good. So somebody wrote, I'm not gonna say who, I just got this actually yesterday. 
it says the following I never met you see it's a good email I never met you or spoke to you but I wanted to say thank you for having a tremendous impact on my life I was a rebellious and confused teenager when someone introduced me to your shiurim on Torah anytime I love the straightness and honesty of the way you spoke and I became hooked besides for the Ashkafah which I gained tremendously from the biggest impact on me was your constant talking about smartphones Facebook and internet the more you spoke about it the more I thought about it and eventually came to understand exactly how I wanted myself and my future home to be. Even in high school when I was very far from being a solid from girl, I never got myself an iPhone, Facebook, etc. Even when all of my friends were knowing what it would do to me. And I always strongly spoke out against it. When I was dating, my biggest thing was I don't want to marry a guy who has Facebook or an iPhone. I ended up marrying an incredible guy who actually did have Facebook and an iPhone with a filter. But after a year of him hearing my options and feelings on the matter, he happily got rid of it right before we had our first son. We now have two children. We each have simple phones, very restricted internet in the house for my work, and we are building our own little base on Mikdash every day with two children who are being raised in a pure home with no tumma, and parents who have clean heads and who are there for them fully to love them and give them time, time, with no distractions. Our Yiddishkeit obviously grew in leaps and bounds because of this, and we are people right now we never could have dreamed of being. It's all thanks to you. You constantly speak on the matter. No matter how many people might have said enough is enough. We heard it all already. You can stop talking about it. An entire family. And I am Mitz Hashem. Many future generations. Thank you for the fact that you are, that, that they are being brought up in a real from home without this sickness that unfortunately pervades most of our Jewish homes these days. So thank you again for saving so many lives and for having such a great impact on my family. May Hashem give you the strength to continue on your incredible work. And we have this supposed to continue having a phenomenal impact on Kleistrov. I didn't write this, she wrote it, and she has a, di- she has a different house. It's interesting. There's a, there's a boy in this Chabura, in this Shir. So a year ago I came in here, I was just, just got back from Eretz Yisrael, and I said how it's amazing you sit on, at that time, now already, they, you sit on a plane for 12 hours, no phones. So some people are going crazy, I'm like, wow. No texts, no messages. Ten and a half hours of coming back here. Twelve hours, peace. You can actually listen to a sheer or music, right? So I said, thank God that airplanes don't, don't at that point, don't have, you know, you can't use your phones. They make you hang up your phones. They make you put away your phones, whatever it is. I said, it's unbelievable. That Baruch Hashem, at least they get a break. So this kid after the sheer comes up to me and goes, I don't understand, Rebbe. I'm like, what? Like, why are you so excited about being on an airplane? I'm like, because... There's no phone service. He says, why don't you just turn off your phone? If you, if you don't want to talk to anyone, you need a break for 10 hours, so turn your phone off for 10 hours. <laughs> I was like, uh, yeah. He's right. And then another guy who was at my share many, many years ago, struggled, was off the derech, you know, came back, and also gave me a big muster. He said to me, he got married, he's married four years. I think he has two kids. He said to me, I tried to reach him, I needed him for something. I don't want to say what he does for a living, because then the guys will know who he is. Or whatever, he did something, he does something that I needed help with. So I called and I called and I called. It was like, it was like 10 o'clock at night. I called and I called and went right to his, right to his messages, right to his messages, right to his messages. 10, 11, 11, 30. Write to his messages. Okay, so the next day, right, I called him during the day at his workplace. Oh, what's going on with you? I mean, you're married. It's very nice, but 
you go to sleep at 10 o'clock? Like, what's up with you? He goes, where'd you call me? I said, on your, on your cell phone. He goes, Rebbe, when I come home, I turn off my cell phone until I leave the next morning. I'm like, how could you do that? Like, if someone needs you, he goes, I have a house phone. And I get, I have a house phone. Whoever wants to reach me if it's an emergency, they call me on my house phone. I turn off my phone. Me and my wife, since Shana Rishona, we made up. We, no cell phones until, but I do have a house phone. So I know if my mother, something's going wrong, right? Everybody can reach me. I said, does your house phone ring a lot? He goes, no, of course not. <laughs> and I'm the, I'm the Rebbe, and he's in Talmud. And I don't turn my phone off. And the other Talmud's like, you need to get on a plane? You need to be forced? You're my Rebbe? You need to get on a plane with no service? Turn your phone off! You want a break? Turn it off. Make believe you're going to Israel for the next ten and a half hours. My phone is off. He's 100% right. So I suffer from the sickness that we all suffer. But we're working on it. But I definitely, I don't leave the house in the morning until I, you know, like when you test your car in the old days, you don't have it anymore. You turn on the car in the old days, it would go through oil, okay, brakes, okay, battery, okay. Instead of the car, it was very cool. It would, it would run your check. You can do it on your car. You put a certain button, you push on the car. Say, also, it'll go through oil, okay, engine, okay, all that, you know, okay, wheels, 36 pounds, you know, all that stuff. Every morning when I stand by the mezuzah, I do the same thing. Every single morning. Hashem should give me many mornings. Every morning I stand by the mezuzah, I close my eyes, thank you Hashem, that I can feel the mezuzah. I can feel the wind, I can feel. Thank you Hashem that I can feel. I love you. Then I, got, I give a good gishmak of smell. Sometimes the garbage truck, depends if it's Tuesday or Thursday. Whatever it is, thank you Hashem I can smell because I know that if I try to eat something and I can't smell it, like when I have a bad cold, I don't have an appetite. So thank you, Hashem, that I can smell. My eyes are still closed. <coughs> thank, thank you, Hashem, that I can hear. I usually try to wait till I hear a little birdie, you know. And thank you, Hashem, I can hear the birds. It's amazing. Thank you, Hashem, that I could taste the coffee I had this morning or the orange juice, whatever I had. Thank you, Kush Baruch Hu. And finally, and this is something new that I do, I open one eye at a time and I say thank you, Hashem, for one eye. Thank you, Hashem, for my second eye because I have a Talmud that only has one eye. Which I did not know, but a few weeks ago I met him in Shemir Shabbos in the morning. He said, Rebbe, I need you to daven for me. And I'm like, what's going on? I'm going to an eye doctor. I'm like, so big deal, what are you worried about? Well, I only have one eye, Rebbe. I'm like, what? He says, yeah, this eye's a glass eye. So I have one eye. So that meant I daven with one eye. I closed one eye. Do you know what it means to daven, to sit without your peripheral vision? And you can't see anything on this side? You're out of your mind. So now every morning, instead of saying Hashem, I open both eyes, I, I open each eye one at a time. And then I have these little mint plants that I planted many years ago, now they're bushes. I take a little piece of mint and I rub it between my fingers. So I check everything out before I walk out. You gave me five senses, I'm a human being. I don't want to be a daimame. I want, I want to be Madaba. I don't, I don't want to be a, a daimame. So maybe if you appreciate what he gives you, and all the five senses, he'll keep those senses working. And then I added on, thank you that I could think, eat, digest, and go to the bathroom. And I added on the last three months. Thank you that I could think, I can eat, I can digest, and I can go to the bathroom. And then you go to work. 
And then you walk, then you walk into the world of Medaba. And you have these five senses and they're amazing. So I told, I told, I told the guys in the Chavah Hadisha, you see people who lost that. So when you guys walk out of that room and into the world, you step out of a room that has something in it that has no potential anymore, and you walk into the room of rooms, the world of potential, you guys should be dancing. I said, never lose that feeling. You know, after a while, you lose, never, that was my speech today. I said, never lose that feeling. You walk out of there. I said, one other thing I told them, which I don't know where I heard this, I heard this a few years ago. It's not normal. So you have to be very careful when you deal with a mace. You have to be, you have to give it crazy covered. You know, they cover the face. You can't look at, at the person's face. You have to do certain things with your back. You, you have to give the, the mace crazy covered. Why? The dead person, the neshama left. Why? Beautiful. Because the neshama comes from Hashem. He blew the Neshama in. Comes from the Kisar Kavah. It's part of Hashem. Right? The body, our bodies. It's scary because when you use your body for the wrong things, it's considered the Aron HaKadosh. You take Sefer Torah, you put it in the Aron HaKadosh. Now the Aron HaKadosh has Kedusha. Sefer Torah and Aron HaKadosh, Aron HaKadosh has Kedusha. So we're carrying these human bodies. We're carrying a Sefer Torah. We're carrying bigger than a Sefer Torah. We're carrying God. We're carrying part of God. We're carrying an neshama. It's even bigger than a Sefer Torah. Okay? Now, when the person dies, you're taking the Sefer Torah out of the Aron HaKadosh. You're bringing it into another room, the next world. But because of Tchir Hamesim, you're going to take that neshama and put it back into the Aron HaKadosh. So the Aron HaKadosh never loses its Kedusha. So the body is considered like an Aron HaKadosh. And therefore it's Kaddish. Because if you take the Sefer Torah out and you never, you move, okay, it, it had Kedusha, but, but if you, if, if it's used to, the Sefer Torah is going back into Aron HaKadosh, so it's like you're taking out the lane, right? And you're putting it back into Aron HaKadosh. So the Shema is leaving, but by, by, by Tchisa Mason, the Shema is coming back. So the goof, the goof, our bodies walking around are considered an Aron HaKadosh. It's Kaddish. I don't. I don't know the halacha. If you, if let's say you move and it just, it's just part of the wall as a piece of furniture. Let's say you have an equation in a house, right? And you, you always keep your safe turn. Then you move. You take the safe turn out, right? And somebody else moves into the house. I don't know that you can't just put like farm in there or something. I don't know. But here, you're not moving. You take the safe turn out and you're putting it back. So the Arakadish stays Kaddish. You gotta be very careful. Person very careful with their body. Your body's an Arnakadesh. And inside it has more than a safetary. It has a, a Nishmas Alikim. Oh my gosh. That's why you gotta be careful what you eat. You gotta be careful what goes in. Or what was it, Rev, uh, Rev, Rev Feinstein said? He said, most people are very worried about what goes in their mouth. They have to also worry about what comes out of their mouth. Be careful what you say. Alright, so let's learn. A little Kavayasha, or you want to hear a crazy story from Rabbi Yashov? I'm giving you a choice. Kavayasha or Rabbi Yashov? Or a little both. Okay, a little bit of both. So there's two Kavayashas, there's three Kavayashas. I'm going to learn one, and then I'll tell you the story, and the other two, 
We'll learn on Tisha B'Av. I'll probably say it over here in our Yitzchak. He says the following. Amar Rabbi Yechanan. Asul Adam Shemayis Chay Piv Ba'ilam Azeh. A person is not allowed to make jokes in this world. You're not allowed to make. You're not allowed to sit there and, become, and be a joker. There's nothing to joke about. Shenema. Oz. Then your Molly's Chalpino. When Mashiach comes, our mouth will be full of laughter. Amar Olav Avashim and Lakish. Okay. God created in every human being a heart, a liver, and a spleen. The heart is up in the middle. The liver is on the right hand side down. The spleen is down to the left. The liver in your body represents Esav. Hanikri Edom, which is called red. Your liver is the filter of the blood. The fisha covered who kulay down. The liver is full of blood. That's why it's very hard to kasher a liver. I mean, an animal liver is very hard to kasher. And chicken livers, they have to burn them. Right? You see when they, it's very hard to kasher because the liver is soaked with, it's full of blood. Esav is red. Is Edom is blood. Okay. Vasashal, and the, the, the Malach of, of, of Esav, who Odom, he's called Odom. Okay. The Kulay Din. The liver is all Din. Chatchol, the spleen. Humarames, it represents the wife. We all know her name. The wife of the Satan. Alev, the heart, Marames al Yisrael. Al Cain, therefore. Okay, whatever. That's not important. Um, but anger comes from the liver. And it comes from Samal, the Satan, the Tchol, the spleen, comes from his wife. She is right through the other Malayla. She comes to people at night, Bechaloim in the dream. Uvahakets Kidmos Isha like a woman. And she causes, causes them to do Averis and the Tchol, the spleen laughs. Uva Yosef Beis Hamidish but when the Beis Hamidish was around, as I mildly Israel Shnei Oirites, there were these two lights coming down to the world. Meshnei from the other world. How do you know there were two lights? Because in Bereshit it says, He are by He are. And where did these lights come from? Rachel Valeya. Ashabanu Shtei and Beis Yisrael, they built Klai Yisrael. Vehema Yimachniyim Esa Satan, and they were able to control the Satan and his wife. How do you know this? Because if you take the word R, Aleph Vav Reish, which equals 207, and R, the two lights, which is 207, 207 is 414, it's the Gematria of Schok. Schok is Shin, is 300, Kuf is 1 is 400, and 8 and 6 is 414, is, is 414. But since the Beis HaMidrash is destroyed, the lights are out. And therefore, therefore these two, the Satan and his wife, are running around making us a lot of trouble. Therefore, we can't say that Adam Ladas, that Hashem, at the time of the Chorban, we shouldn't be showing Hashem any laughter. He also learned all this like it's 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 also for us to laugh. If you're not careful, 
Then you're going to give her, the Sultan's wife, the Koyach to laugh. And these two Klippos will become strong. Okay, now. He says, You're making a party, by mitzvah, whatever it is. You shouldn't, don't go, don't go crazy and make, and, you know, bring a comedian in and make it into a big joke. So they say a crazy story that Zaya brings down. The Zaya says, Rav Chir and Rav Yaisi were walking in a field and there was a beautiful smelling per- persimmon, uh, a farsimmon tree. It has an amazing smell. And Omar Rav Yaisi, Rav Yaisi told Rav Chir, don't look at the tree. What do you see? You see, I see, he said, I see smoke. What he was telling him was that since the base of Israel was destroyed, you should be seeing smoke in front of your eyes all the time. He says, <laughs> That's what Tzadikim see. Why? Because they're always thinking about <laughs> the destruction of Beis Amidash. He says, How do we know this? He says, When a person says, Al Nars Baba, which we say now, we should be we should be crying with tears on the destruction of the base of Mikdash. He says, and I want you to know, in Shemayim there is an angel that takes your tears that you cry in the Chum base of Mikdash. He also is the angel of the prayers of the Jews that, that cry with tears, and he brings down the name of this angel. Well, Malach min Hasharo Oyefanim, he's one of the top Malachim, Ushmo Yerachmiel, who Shoylet al Sheish Meos Chayas, he controls 600 of the Chayas HaKodesh. Okay? And he says that, I mean, the Zayah talks about the Zayah, whatever it is, and he says that, the, the, that our tears are, are, are unbelievable. He says that, what's the part that I want to tell you? He says, in the times of the Beis Hamikdash, when the Shekhinah was between the Kruvim, it was Makabal, the light every day from Shemayim. But now that the Klippos, the destruction of the Beis Hamikdash, he says, these Klippos are all over the world, which we see. And she sees, she sees the wife of the, of the Satan, she's Klaishol being pushed and bent and broken. But I want to tell you the story that he says. Oh, here it is. Okay. This is, where, this is where I want to get to. He tells the story like this. We'll end with this and then I'll tell you that. So the Ariz, the Ariz, this is a story from the Arizal. He says an unbelievable story. He says there was a, in the times of the Arizal, there was a great tzaddik and his name was Av, Rabbi Avram HaLevi. He lived in Tzvas and every night, every night, this tzaddik would get up and he'd be running around the streets of all the Jews. And he would scream with a bitter scream. My brothers, don't you know that the Shekhinah of Hashem is in Golis? is burning. And the Jews are in Golis. How many Jews would die in the Holocaust? Right? So he came to him in the Arim, older and younger, but Arba Mitzvah Bezdin. Benitlin, they hung him. Ben Yidayna, Ben Mitzvah's cousin was Shunais, and they killed him in many different ways. But Atem, Shaykhun, Amatay, Seichem. 
And you guys are all sleeping? Nice, quietly tucked in your beds? So he was a vecker. He would walk around at midnight. He'd wake up every man in the town screaming and yelling, how could you be sleeping when we're in the Shekhinah? He's in Golos. In our days, we'd take out our shotgun on Avenue J, if the guy's running around, and we'd shoot him. Are you nuts? You w- wake up the whole neighborhood? But that's not what they did. So what happened? They couldn't. He was screaming. He woke them all up. So what happened? So, the Chassid was yelling away. And he wouldn't let them rest. They would all get up. What are you going to do? They went to shul. And then they started to learn. Some learned Kabbalah. Some learned Gemara. Some learned Tyre. Then they said Pizmonim. Until the sun came up. Then they davened. So the Arizal himself was fascinated by this man. It's not normal. He got up every night screaming like this. Omar Allah, so the Rizal called him and he said to this Chassid, Rabbi Avram HaLevi, he said, I know who you are and I know why you're screaming. It's not who you think you are. You are Yemiyahu Anavi. You are a Gilgal. The Rizal said to him, you are a Gilgal of Yemiyahu Anavi. And the Rizal called him in one day and he said, I saw in a dream that you're supposed to die. Within the next two days, you're going to die. So he told the man, the tzaddik. He says, but, back, he show me your mecha, your days are up. He give you your mecha lomas, it's time to die. But if you do, one thing I'm going to teach you, in I promise you, you'll live another 22 years. What, what was the tikkun? He said, here's the tikkun. Go to Yushalayim. Go to the Kaislam Aravi. And if you really cry and pour out your heart, you'll be able to see the Shekhinah. Wow. This Chassid went home. And he locked locked himself in for three days and three nights. He fasted. He wore sackcloth. He davened. He went to the Yushalayim. And he came to the Kaisal Maravi, the Tfila, Tatchunim, with Davening and Tachnunim, screaming and crying. And then he saw Al Gabeha Kaisal on the Kaisal Maravi, Tura, the picture, Tura, the form, the form, the figure, Dugmas Isha of a woman, Melubeshesh Chayrim, dressed in black. The Tekeberi Pachtoi became very scared. Nafal Alpanov, he fell on his face. And he started to scream, Oy li, oy shri oy on me, that I saw you like this. Oy aho al nafshi, oh my God, it pains my soul. And he was screaming and yelling. He was pulling on the hair of his head. Until he fainted, and he went into a deep sleep. Well, he saw in a dream, Shabal of the same woman, was in front of him, in beautiful clothing. Well, she said, my son Avram, be comforted, 
because they will be help in the end. I will bring my children back to their borders. I will accept their tshuva and I will have pity on them. And he woke up. He ran. And he ran back to Tzfas. And he came to the Ri. And he said, to, and the minute he walked in, the Ari said to him, before he said anything, and he I see on you, that you were able to see the Shrina. You can be sure, you'll live another 22 years. says that he lived another 22 years. We see, that every person should get up in the midnight or early in the morning, and spend a little couple of minutes being misabal on the Chubar Beis Amigdash and on the, on the people that were killed. Whether you do it a lot, whether you do it a little. And you shouldn't tell anyone that you're doing it. No one should know that you're doing it. You say, people are going to say, wow, this guy gets up in the middle of the night. He says, not only won't get rewarded, but you're going to get punished. Don't tell anyone that you're doing it. If a person does this to Shem Shemayim, as I all of a cluster of he will be protected. It happens to be that in Shem Shabbos, now in the three weeks, there's Tikkun Chatzais. They're all out there by the Bima, and they talk in the three weeks, they do Tikkun Chatzais. It's called Tikkun Leia, it's Leia and Rachel. And just to show Hashem that, you know, he's sitting Shiva. You know, we don't have to listen to this music that these people listen to a cappella. I, 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 like girls ask, you know, this is the time when they all ask me if you allow to listen to a cappella, and I'm like, I don't, I don't chop why you're asking me this question. I mean, I can't imagine anyone going to be, uh, anyone going to be Menachem Abel with a boombox playing a cappella. They'll throw them out of the room. So it says that Hashem's sitting shiva now, so what are you doing? So go away, go away for three weeks, don't listen to music, listen to Torah tapes. Hashem's sitting shiva, what are you trying to beat the system? You're gonna make a seum? So everybody could come and eat meat, like what? He thinks Shiva. So, 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 give him, show Hashem that you care. Why, why are you trying to beat the system? Okay, whatever. Um, all right. So here's the story. Unbelievable story. I'll tell it to you very fast. So, Rav Yosef, all of Shalom, was admitted to the hospital for an extended stay, and he needed a minion. So they put a minion together. But Rav Yosef was very mockbit on how you lame the how you lame the Torah in a shul. And all of a sudden they realized that they had ten men to make this minion, but they didn't have a balkaira. They were big trouble. They didn't have a balkaira, and you can't stand fumfer with the Yashif. You have to have a good balkaira. So they didn't know what to do. So they figured they're going to go through the hospital. Maybe they'll find a man, Yushalmi, or someone in the hospital that's a balkaira. So they come past this room, and they see this young bacher, about 16 years old, sitting by the bedside of an older woman, Deeply immersed in his chumash, they asked him if he knew how to read the weekly parsha. After a moment, the boy said, "Yes, I know how to lane." So they run, ran back to Eliyashu's room, and he read the parsha. Unbelievable! After davening, Eliyashu called the bacha over to thank him for for reading the Torah. So Eliyashu asked him, "That was really, really beautiful. Are you about a, a Do you read every week?" So the boy said, "No, I don't." So, Rav Yashar said, well, you seem to know it so well. Was this, is this your Bar Mitzvah Pasha? He laid it that well. The Bacha said, no. He said, I'll tell you the truth. He said, Rav really, it was my Bar Mitzvah Pasha. 
He said, I prepared for months. And when I came to Shul that Shabbos morning, it turned out that there was another boy that was having a bar mitzvah. And who also prepared. So I didn't want to make a big fuss. And I let him lay in instead of me. Rabbi Yosha was very impressed with the middles of this young boy to prepare your bar mitzvah sedra and then give it over because some other kids having a bar mitzvah. Not a, not, not a, not a, not an easy thing. So Rabbi Yosha felt that this boy didn't lay in it, right? So, so it's, it seems to be that Hashem made it by Sheret that this boy learned his laning for Rabbi Yashav. He didn't end up using it for his bar mitzvah. So why did he have to learn it? So it's mashma that he learned it for Rabbi Yashav. So he asked the boy, why are you here? So the boy said, my mother's very sick and they don't think she has much time to live. And so Yosha said, who's her doctor? He said, his mother's doctor. And Yosha said, that's my doctor. Let me talk to my doctor and we see what we can do something. So Yosha spoke to the specialist. He agreed to examine the boy's mother. Again, he went, and she went, un, she went, she went under emergency surgery. With Hashem self, the operation was complete. That the re- woman recovered before Yosha recovered. That's how, that's how good the operation went. On the day that she was leaving, she went by. She was going to thank Yosha for you know, telling the doctor the last minute she wouldn't have had the emergency operation, she would have died. So she wanted to, to thank the Rav. So she came into the room, he looked up, and she said to him, I don't think Rabbi Yosha remembers me, but I came to you around 16, 17 years ago and had a problem. I had just recently been married, and I was informed by the doctors that I had a serious heart condition, which would be aggravated if I became pregnant. So a number of months later, I indeed became, she became pregnant and the doctors told her that she has to abort the child. If she doesn't, she's risking the child's life and her, and her life. So we didn't know what to do. So we went to Rav Yashiv and we asked what we should do. And the Rav madly told us not to listen to the doctors and not to abort the child. He blessed me that I should be well and deliver a healthy child that would be a source of nachos. She said, Rebbe, this boy that just lamed was the boy that I was pregnant with when I came to ask you that, Shiloh. And because you didn't allow me to listen to the doctors and abort the child, this is the product of the blessing that you gave us 17 years ago. What goes around comes around. It's a ridiculous story. It's a ridiculous story. Mm-hmm. You do the right thing. You do the right thing. You have the Sat the Shemaya. But I think one of the godless part of the story is you don't make decisions on your own and you don't make decisions you listen to what the doctor says I'm not saying you shouldn't and you bring it in front of a tzaddik and you listen to what he says and he saved her life after that again? yeah he saved, he, saved, he saved her life no she went and said the doctor said if I have a child I'm going to die he said you're not going to die have a child now she was sick she must have been heart sick must have been a heart operation because then she was heart sick already and and this time he spoke to the doctor and the doctor said I'll take another look at the test and he said you know what we could do surgery and he saved the life but this boy that read it was the boy that she was going to abort and and he said keep it and the, and the boy ended up laning for him on that shower it's impressive that he saved the life a second time because the first time the life was injected with the boy but she listened to him she created a certain with the tzaddik, he, he, he extended a life again, which he right. the first time. Right. She listened the first time, she should have shortened her life. Because the doctor said, you can't do this. 
and so it should have shortened her life. And he gave her a bracha that she should have the child. And now that child ended up laning for him, didn't end up laning his own pasha, ended up laning for him. And he now met the mother through the child that, in other words, her having the child ended up saving her life. Because had he not lain for Eliyashuv, he wouldn't have spoken to the doctor and she would have died. So her having the child, not only is the child lain for Eliyashuv, but because he lain for Eliyashuv, Eliyashuv found that, had the same doctor, he went and looked at her again and saved her life. Who runs the world? Who runs the world? Because who runs the world. Anyway, the, the lesson that, Hashem, so the Yantav of Tishabov, the, the Yantav of Tishabov, of course, that we want is that not for us, it's funny, you know, like people want the other tissue, so I don't have to fast. That's not the reason. The other tissue was that the Shechina shouldn't be dressed in black, but the Shechina should be dressed in beautiful, or beautiful Mabushim. That's the reason we should want it, but even if we don't get it, even if this year Mashiach is not here, which he's definitely on his way, which I'll talk about, because the, the, it says, very scary, it says that the, the decree of Haman was never ripped up. It was Mavia Rehagzeira, it was, pushed aside because it's based on Yosef HaTzadik, the selling of Yosef HaTzadik. So it's not going to be ripped up until Mashiach comes. So it sort of got pushed aside, right? And then you had the Holocaust, which was the play, if you, you know, the whole famous play that the Holocaust was very connected. Ten people were hung by Nuremberg. And the, one, the last one that was hung said, what do you think this is, a Purmspiel? So there's a very big connection between that. And now, Achashverosh, we know who that is. Achashverosh wasn't a bloodline. He was an Evet who became a king. Okay. And Evet became a king today. The Evet who became the king is now made a deal with Haman, right, which is Paras, which is Persia, which is Iran, right? And it's a funny thing because he quoted on Friday the Iman or whatever the head guy of Iran said that making a deal and not making a deal, we will wipe the Zionist children, parents, women off the face of the earth. Exactly the words that Haman used when he wrote the Gzeira with Akashverosh. This Gzeira of Haman, which is Persia, is being written with Akashverosh, which is, I don't, I don't want to say it on, but you know who that is, right? And where is it being, where was it written? Of the whole world to write a nuclear agreement. Where was it written? In Austria. What else was written in Austria? The final solution. The Germans, when they decided that they're going to wipe out the Jews in a, in a in a castle in a fortress in Austria, they sat and wrote the final solution: how to wipe the Jews off the face of the earth. So, it's here, boys. It's here, and we're living in the times of Mashiach. There's nothing to talk about, even at the best, even with the agreement. It's ten years. The agreement's for 10 years, and after 10 years, they're allowed to build a nuclear we- weapon. So at the best, they're going to have a nuclear weapon in 10 years e- with the agreement. The agreement says in 10 years, they can, they can have a nuclear weapon. So we, we, we need to get the only thing that we're going to have left, and that's what the Gemara says. We're not going to have politics. We're not going to have government. We're not even going to have a Chafetz Chaim to lean on. We're all going to have to turn and lean on the Kodesh Baruch Ki Hashem Mu'alekim. And Eino Mavadai, and that's where the end, where it's all going to end up. There's not going to be anyone else in the world to go to. It's just going to be him. And we should, to see him in a, in a peaceful way, not in a, not in a war way. Alright? Mitzashem. Shabbat Shalom.
You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.